all your school rugby all in one place. This is Next Gen 50. Hello and welcome to episode four of the Next Gen 15 podcast. I'm Angus Savage here with Dan Richards again. Dan, good to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, really good to see you. I'm good. There's been some a lot happening in, in the wider world of rugby and in school world rugby, so lots to talk about it and uh, I'm really keen to get stuck in. Certainly, me too. That We've got so much to get through this week. We've got a sort of bit of a bumper episode because we're kind of doing sort of 10 days worth of stuff all, all crammed into to one episode but just a bit of housekeeping first of all you can catch us on at nextgen15 on instagram twitter tiktok all the rest of it and you can listen to this on acast apple podcast spotify and you can even watch us on youtube if you're that brave um we've got loads and loads to look at we're going to get into injuries we're going to get into the st joseph's festival a little bit we're going to look at our top five um, we're going to get into the back row for our, our school team of the decade. I'm, have we decided that's what we're calling it? I've sort of just started saying that's what it is, but That'll do for me. it's a ropey decade, isn't it? 2012-ish to 2022, but we'll go with it. Um, we've got a few Instagram suggestions as well that we'll skirt through too. We really want to hear from people, so get in touch on Instagram, as I've mentioned. Um but first of all, I just want to um, skirt back to last week. Actually, we had a load of live streams. Haleybury Blundells, an apology from me, first of all, for that. We, uh, our scoreboard had us had it as a as a draw, and I was uh, I was on commentary and banging on about what a dramatic, brilliant draw it was. Uh, and it turned out that what had in fact happened was that um, Blundells had held Haleybury up over the line in the last play to take the win. So uh, an apology to them. But uh, it was an incredible game either way, whether it was a draw or whether Blundells won. Um, but that was pretty cool. The other one we had, um, I don't know if you would have seen this one, Dan, Clifton versus Kirkham, um, all for the the Ryan Bresnahan Memorial game, A Life for a yeah. Cure. Yeah, watch that um, one. Yeah. Hell of a game. Absolutely yeah. hell of a game. Two two incredible sides. Kirkham Grammar School nicking it at the end. It was it was just brilliant. I thought thought Clifton were gonna come back in and then just uh, Kirkham pipped them at the last. Um, and then we finished on Friday with Northampton School for Boys against Ipswich. Again, late drama. Um, absolutely incredible. Come back from Ipswich from 17-7 down at half time, And then they come uh, storming back through. Late try to take the lead. And then an absolutely fantastic turnover at the end from, and I forget his name, but the young Italian fullback who had to step in and fly half. It was his debut in the first team. He played Colts week one, second team week two. I spoke to Jacob Ford beforehand and he went, you should keep an eye on this kid. 10 minutes in, fly half goes down. He has to step up from fullback to fly half. Runs the game brilliantly. And in the most physical game I think I've watched so far this year, it's him that pops up with the turnover in the last play. Absolutely incredible. But those are the things that I love. I mean, I'm sure you're the same, just like seeing young guys just get a shot and absolutely going for it. Oh yeah, I think when it's really it's really special when fifth formers under 16s uh get that chance particularly when they when they shine and we've we've seen it loads and that will be as again we've talked a lot about how we, the memories that that school will be creates and why that makes it so special and, and that young man will you know will dine out on that on that for a while and again for us it's really exciting because it looks as though there's a, a a really cool player there to keep an eye on coming through and i'm sure if he's come over, then or if he's not involved with with Saints in that area now, I'm sure they'll be taking a pretty good look at him if he's if he's shooting through and getting into that strong first team. It's just picking up on something 
you said as well with those two games was was the physicality. I know we're going to come on to talk about injuries and and, and in a sort of give a more positive light on on actually a lot of the news that's around rugby at the moment, particularly at schoolboy level. But the physicality was noticeable. Like in I thought the Kirkham Clifton game and that ended day maybe slightly about the nature of particularly how three of those four sides want to play, which is pretty square. Um but there were some there were some fierce hits then and in terms of like the bravery you look for and that it was it was phenomenal. Like they you know, these aren't all physical like giants. There's just some boys being very brave, boys putting a huge amount of effort in and they were all four sides there at, at credit in terms of the effort they put in to try and get their teams over the line. Yeah, because I mean that's Probably actually the way I'd describe it is that it was it was about effort and commitment as much as anything in a lot of those. You know, there were I think in both those games, the the Kirkham the Kirkham victory at Clifton and the the Ipswich one at, at Leicester Forest against Denston, it was try line stands of just camping yeah. out for five minutes and holding someone out and holding them out and holding them out. And even if you concede you've you've eaten the clock up and all that kind of stuff. And it was yeah, I mean, I almost, I almost, perhaps I'm perhaps I'm using the wrong terminal, terminology and calling it physicality because it's just effort, determination, commitment. And actually, if you think about it, that's all the things that we sort of like to think that rugby instills in people. Um, yeah. That's just amazing to see when people are just prepared to do that. Yeah, and I think as as a believer in the schoolboy game, um, without meaning to throw a shot at the Academy League, yeah, let's look at the Blundells games or that last play holder. I'm not sure you see those hold-ups, those goal line stands as much in the academies league. I just, and I think that is what's so special about 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 this level of the game is is the badge means so much to kids. Like boys play above themselves, like boys stand stand up to be counted. It's just fantastic to see. And we've seen, you know, really luckily through the streams, we've seen some incredible defensive stands. We've seen some great attacking rugby, some incredible flair, the skill level that we've talked about a lot in schoolboy rugby, but that desire to not let the opposition cross your line in those games that we've seen recently is what has made a difference which has been phenomenal and again I'm not sure you see it at every level of the age grade game but I'm biased towards the scoreboard game No you usually say I mean I say at the start of every year as my sort of message to the to the sort of outgoing upper sixth is that the you know enjoy enjoy this final term of rugby because it will never, it will never mean more for most of you. Um, you, you know, you you may end up playing alongside some mates in the future, but you'll never definitely be playing alongside all of your mates. Um, and that's that's what you're doing at school level, and you do see that it means a bit more. Um, but we've got so much to crack on uh, with. So into the news, and there is a lot of news. I, to get it out of the way, let's start with the Worcester Warriors thing. Um, We've spoken about it a bit. We're going to get into it in more detail once we have more facts. Um, but obviously, the news and the headlines is is around what's happening at the the sort of senior men's side and the senior women's side. But it's obviously a pretty worrying time for lads in the academy. You know, particularly you know low, low earners in their first or second year of a, an academy contract, but also guys who are at that under 18, 17, 16, 15 level who are part of the DPP programs and all, all the rest of it, there's a bit of uncertainty floating around. I don't know that much. I've I've asked a question of both Worcester and, and Premiership Rugby. Worcester, understandably, don't have um, anyone available to answer me, which is perfectly reasonable. Um, Premiership Rugby haven't 
in fairness to them, haven't got back to me yet, as opposed to having given me an answer. But it's a worrying time for for some of the, the younger guys, just in terms of what happens next for them. And and I think things may be continuing, but it's it's a bit uncertain. Yeah, I think that's the the main thing. Is it's just a bit scary and confusing for those for those guys. You know, kids. We talk a lot about to get into those programs. Young players put in a huge amount of effort. Um, Exactly, as you like reached out to a few people, some school guys uh, in that area, a couple of guys at the academy, a couple of guys at the RFU. It's it's just a bit cloudy, I think, at the moment is is the reality, and it'll take a bit of time for the dust to settle. Um, I think, or yeah, if we try to reassure, I'm, I would be fairly confident that something will take place this year. You know, there's precedent for it in the past for you know the RFU stepping in to make sure that the academy system steps up, and the RFU are keen to. I think play a bigger part in academy. So I think that part of whether it's under Worcester Warriors brand or something like what we see with Yorkshire rugby, you know, in terms of it just being an amalgamation. And so you'd hope that those current guys will get that outlet. You just want to hope the training continues, like less so maybe for your guys, you know, it's less or it's less important for your guys at those very established rugby playing schools in what is a vast and rich rugby playing region. Mm -hmm. But for guys who really need that kind of, you know, weekly Monday night session or that fortnightly DPP session to upskill themselves. We don't want to see a group of players in, in yeah, there's some pretty rugby hotbed areas there. And, and that Worcester Academy you know, has produced some phenomenal talent. Um, and, and still, and we, we don't want to see players get, get left behind. You can lose a lot of skill acquisition if you just don't do training for a couple of months. There's some pretty important blocks that, that happen there. So I'm sure they'll all catch it up. I think, you know, Worst case scenario is that region ends up getting dished out to other clubs and, and the map gets redrawn and players all of a sudden go to from belonging to Worcester Warriors to belonging to probably Gloucester or Wasps would be the two that would be keenest to get all closer. Yeah, the the but, natural divide seems there, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah but but hopefully, you know, hopefully it looks that Worcester Warriors will continue and that academy will continue because Again, obviously, the professional game, the Cecil Duckworth legacy, has been talked about loads in the media, and that's and that's massive, and that is huge to, that that project continues. But that academy, in terms of the area game we talk about, is an incredible production line. You know, London Irish gets a huge amount of profile, rightly, for its academy, but you know there are others that produce. You know, just as many. If you look at and the guys that have come out of Worcester recently are really impressive. So we really want that academy and all those staff who work phenomenally hard and all the boys to keep going so you know I think hopefully pretty positive at the moment but just thoughts with you I guess would be our message our message from me really yeah massively thoughts with everyone and you know that that Worcester Academy is Worcester have always been a pretty low budget team so actually their reliance on the academy has been has been massive in terms of the amount of the amount of players that come from the academy and actually are used in in the professional game Um, there's an awful lot of lads that other academies that have got contracts and never seen a huge amount of first team action the the good thing at Worcester has always been that if you get a contract you've got a pretty fair chance of getting yourself on on the pitch um but as you say there's the precedent from from the Yorkshire Academy which should settle a few nerves I think and I hope certainly settles a few a few at our end um but yeah all we can do is is wish everyone the best we will get into it in more detail in weeks to come when we have some actual information to to impart, but um, I suppose we you know, we've got to got to do our bit to just uh, reassure parents and and kids as much as possible. But do get in touch. Um, 
on social media or whatever if you've you know if you've got questions and stuff we can point you in the right direction for people to talk to or um or share your story if you've if you've got one um other bit of news this week St Joseph's Festival groups came out uh they look uh extraordinary the um level stepped up even more than it was already uh Trinity reigning schools cup champions come in uh Strathallen come down from from Scotland and Marlborough College come across um some unbelievable groups as that is I mean it's a tough two days anyway but it, I think it may have just got even tougher yeah which is hard it's it's, it's such a unique challenge in schoolboy rugby and if and if you haven't watched it before uh you're interested in the schoolboy game which would we think if you're, if you're listening to us here, um, I would urge. There's a fair, there's a fair chance, you might yeah, be. yeah, yeah. I would, I would urge you to watch. It's just, it's having been through it. It's, it's not about your best fifteen players. It really is about your, your twenty six. I think they may have increased it again, hopefully in terms of injury management, um, to to twenty seven, twenty eight this year. I'm not sure you'll probably be have more info on on that than I would. Yeah, I but think it's, so, yeah. it's about you know going back to the year that I was fortunate enough to be involved with a group that managed to to win the Delisle Trophy, you know, we had a lot of guys who are now, so, who are now professional rugby players not able to play by the final. So, you know, so Monty Bradbury, professional player, London Irish, classically professional player at, at, at Harlequins now, they they were gone by the end of day one. You know, so you're, no, sorry, Monty played a game in day two. Sorry, that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's, that's not true. <laughs> but, you know, you, you, there's, there's boys playing in that in that semi-final final they've played a lot of their lot of some clear team rugby certainly majority of the rugby in the second team awesome under 16s really stepping up which is what you see and that's the the exciting bit and it's just such a different format you know I think you know historically schools like Brighton Nick always prepares Brighton phenomenally well it's a very different way of playing you know a short format of the game um so it's just fascinating in in so many ways and it's and it's as a coach it's a really cool coaching challenge yeah yeah, I love it, and I, I love the um, the sort of different approaches that schools. Do. I mean, basically, because the games are so short, it's really important to get on the scoreboard. But the different approaches that certain teams take in order to do that, some will go all out attack to try and get a try on. Because if you get a try, it's a really long road back. Other teams will go look. Any point is a good point here, and and it's penalty penalty shots from absolutely anywhere. And you see these completely contrasting ways of going about the same problem, which is. You have to get on the scoreboard first. There's there's often just not enough time to be able to turn the yeah. turn the tide once that happens. Which is why you sometimes see some some sort of results you wouldn't necessarily expect because a team has got on the scoreboard early and and managed to just stick it out from there. Um, yeah, but and you've the, got managed bodies as well with the big yeah, well, you've got yeah, managed exactly. bodies and and you've got you know for the, for those teams who we'll talk about in a minute who will be targeting cup semi-finals. With, without want, none of them will be arrogant or complacent, but they will want to think about conserving energy for some boys in day one. And you have to try and target where you do that. And I know in the past, when I've been involved in coaching, we've gone in with plans. Obviously, they change as soon as minute one of game <laughs> yeah, one. Minute one of <laughs> game one, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, you have to plan that way, which again is why you get some topsy turvy results, which makes it such a fascinating competition. Um, so yeah, it's it's cool again. Yeah, again, we're all going to go on to it. But for me, standout games on day one is is Kirkham versus Trinity. Like that on yeah. that, that that looks. It wouldn't surprise me if we ended up seeing both those teams in the cup semi final. 
again that's the sort of you know which has happened before you know two teams from the same group but it wouldn't surprise me if that happened there that looks to me like the game of day one but yeah, there are a, lots that's a huge game and the I mean as you say a, a lot of it is body management in effect and the probably the only worry you have for those two is the fact that they play each other on day one could have an impact on day two because it's going to take an awful lot out of them um but there are i mean it's just littered with with brilliant sides hampton and hampton and group four have been off to a flyer this season they've got they've got a great shot in my view although any group that includes st joe's whether they're on a good year or a bad year that's just an emotional roller coaster that can throw up anything it's just extraordinary what that two days does to them yeah i think they would be you know obviously you kind of go in and you, and you hope you don't want to draw someone who you know's got a really strong side so you know you don't want to get kirk you know it's gonna be really you know you don't want to get millfield you don't want to get saint joe's because of the emotion it's gonna and it you know how as how hard that's gonna be it's just if you see the draw come out and they're not in your group there's a little bit of a sigh of relief in honesty. <laughs> it's a, uh, kind of okay right that's it's just something we don't have yet because again for those who haven't seen it there will be a huge crowd around the pitch for that game they will have a guard of honor putting them on there will be all sorts and they will those boys will come out with a huge amount of emotion and you have to match that and that's hard that's really hard to, to, to find that so um, yeah, that's that's a challenge. Hampton do look really good this year, and I think yeah, you'd still fancy them in that group just in terms of the quality they've got. But yeah, there's everyone's got tough games to navigate. Yeah, and we, I mean, we're going to get in, we're going to have a bit of a sort of special on this in a in a couple of weeks where we'll get into it in proper detail. But I'll just kind of go through, just go through the groups quickly because they are extraordinary. Group one: <laughs> Denston, Dulwich, Hurstpool, Wellington College. You're old school. That's a that's a tricky old group. Denston College, little dark horse, I think. Um, that's the first play playoff from last year in the yeah. group. So you know, what, so that's which shows there's no seeding here. Like they they are drawing this competition because yeah. there's you know that. So and again, Denston the team very hard to play in that, but they've done really well. They beat Kirkham actually. Yeah, well, they yeah they were the side that stopped um, Kirkham, who were kind of looking like everyone's favourites last year on yeah. day one, and and Denston just stung them and put put yeah. Kirkham into the plate. So yeah, and and Hurst, good start to the year as well. You know, Hurst, yeah. and again have a bit of history of, of going well uh, at St. Joe's, and it's yeah, good group. Yeah, I mean, great group. Group two, we've already kind of had a look at with Kirkham Trinity, joined by another new team, Marlborough College and Whitchurch High School from uh, from Wales, who have had some incredible years and they've had some down years. That year with um, with uh, Christians, it was just unbelievable. Uh, group three, reigning champions Millfield, Quegs Wakefield, RGS Newcastle, Strathallen. That'll be an interesting one for Millfield as reigning champions because they've got what will be effectively three unknown quantities to them because they're not going to have seen a lot of those three sides. Um, and RGS Newcastle are looking pretty decent at the moment. And Strathallen, I think almost no one in the tournament will know a huge amount about them because the the Scottish to English scene is just so different. Um, so that could yeah. be quite interesting. And then group four... Yeah. Group four, I think, is actually surprisingly even because Brighton College are just St. Joe's wizards. Nick knows what he's doing. Hampton are looking unbelievably good. RGS High Wickham, similar to Brighton, have a way of just getting towards the latter stages. It's kind of just it, whether they play well or play badly, they always seem to be in a situation where 
where it's starting to work for them. I think because they're really good at managing a tight game. They've always been quite good yeah. at just keeping a scoreline low and therefore they're yeah, in it. Yeah. And then obviously St. Joe's. So there's the groups. It's going to be it's going to be incredible. We will get into it in more detail uh, when we do our special, which I think is probably going to be the week of the tournament, I think. Um, just uh, get our get our plans in place. But um, I suppose, well, the physicality and well, the intensity and physicality of it leads us into what is kind of our main topic today, which is injuries. And I guess the way we'll start it is from the news, which is that Owen Slott last week wrote an article in the Times um, talking about participation in in school rugby really and and what teams are what schools are are doing about that some of the struggles they face um you know highlighted what epsom college were have been doing but i think i think we we're seeing that in a in a lot of different schools um you've you've got the the kind of direct experience recently of of being in in a school environment what what is it like at the moment so I think the, the reality is we are seeing a, a lot of injuries. Now, some of that is related to better awareness, I think, and better body management. So if you think back to the, I guess, when, when schoolboy rugby started getting much more serious around the start of the 21st century, then, you know, when, you know, boys started really going at their SNC and and sudden, and the game ramped up, you know, post, you know, a generation of players from... 12, 13, aspiring to be full-time players. Um, I think there was a lot of getting on with it and playing through stuff and some uh, and some not very healthy practices, which makes it appear as though there's been this huge spike, um, particularly around the head injury stuff, which I know is a, is a concern for lots of parents. I know it's something that Owen Slot talked about in his article. That's why Epsom are highlighted for having their different options. I would, again, echo what you said there. Every school, I would be amazed if there isn't if there's a school that's that isn't offering a non-contact option. Like compulsory rugby has gone; it's it, it's long gone. There, there are, and if it hasn't, it, it certainly should be. But I, I'm not aware of a single school that is forcing young boys or girls to play contact sport. That that's that, those days are rightfully behind it. Now we know so much more about head injury. The head injury is the big one. Then we talk about that first, and I guess then joint stuff. Um, because because of obviously the, the tragedies that have happened in the game, particularly you know, young Ben Robinson, who's who's run a huge campaign, rightfully so, and, and others um, that that have happened, that's led to you know staff have to do the head case survey now. So there's more awareness. It's led to the you know recognise and remove. So and it does mean that on a given week you might have in a so average week, you know you might have anywhere from twenty five to thirty boys on concussion in inverted commas protocol that doesn't mean they're all concussed but it means they've they've had a blow head and we want to protect their brain because you only get so it's actually you're you're actually being risk averse it doesn't show the game's got less safe it shows that staff are taking more care and i know we're companies like return to play the work of sam bark who we're going to talk to in more detail about that so i'll kind of park head injury stuff there for now we'll, we'll, we'll talk to us a lot more about that so, but there's been a huge amount of work done around making that better and i would like to think that the the young men and women in the game at the moment feel safe and cared for you know by the staff um and certainly the 
programs I've been involved with, you've always we've had amazing staff. So again, we've just mentioned return to play and the work they do, and particularly involved at, uh, at Harrow and Whitgift, as well as I think at, at St Edward's Oxford now. But involved with loads of schools in terms of the work they do. But you know, at Wellington we have incredible man called Adam Eustace. I've worked with incredibly called called Lana Crouch. Like these, and there's, there's sports physios rehab. Where most schools now have that, but it's an independent school, so have the budget. And the work they do for very little financial yeah. it's phenomenal to look at to look after the to look after the players and so and again that's that's awareness so i would say we do more around taking players out now before they get a season ending injury uh, again we're actually when we come to our top five back row later someone will talk about it that is, is a lad called this couldn't have been fair but a lad called josh bayless who unfortunately mm-hmm. had to mention, miss his upper six year now that injury was unavoidable but the sort of things that's happening at more schools um and if i just go back to I, my experience most recently in wellington i talk yeah. about that so i'll take so carl mcdonald incredible coaching and real care for the boys so he initiated with the head of snc with the with adam eustace who's lead physio and a, a well-being survey so the boys will every sunday fill in a pretty simple like pretty quick google form and you'll check it and you just get a measure and then that will give you a score the number or some schools we use other schools we've used color codes or the green amber red and you can just pick up well actually they're getting a bit fatigued or they're feeling a bit too sore yeah. that means you can sit them out that might even mean you rest them for a game um which can then look like injuries it's like oh he's not playing he's hurt i mean for example i saw i think in uh i think the clifton 10 Eamon rogers missed yeah. their second game of the season now, i don't know whether Eamon was hurt or not I would imagine that maybe they played a really tough first game. They might have rested him, no, but no. But does that look like an injury to yeah. to the kind of parents on the sideline? Um, at first team level, at the top schools, the game is very physical. You can't get away from that. It's still a collision based sport. Yes, it's a contact evasion sport, but it's still there's lots of collisions, and we can't remove risk. We you can't remove. You know, unfortunately, you will get. You know, nasty shoulder injury. No, every team will get them in a year. You know, a knee injury, ankle injury, whatever it is, and you tend to get them, tend to come in space, and you'll get three guys will do their knee or three guys will do their shoulder, and it's horrible that when you see young people have to go through that rehab. There isn't much we can we can do about that. I, I, what I would say to parents who are wary of the game um, is, if you've got a a young son or daughter who, you know isn't hugely physical but but likes the idea of a kind of running in space like go and watch a, a b or c team game mm. don't go and watch uh clifton college versus yeah, don't go watch a semi-professional match <laughs> yeah and i and, and th- think that's what it's going to look like you know the, the game at, at, at a kind of b team level and even when you're in just younger years is nothing like as physical and um, a bodies aren't as physically mature the game is very different. We've talked before about how all coaches will emphasise moving the ball to space. And we're trying, you know, at first team, you will sometimes, if you can get on top, winning that arm wrestle, you'll play to that strength. Team don't do that very much before before first team level. So it's just very different. And you'll see injury rates are, are way, way lower. The game, I would say, is as safe as it can be right now. And the game is working incredibly hard to get safer. Um doesn't mean we can't do more and the game will rightly keep doing more but i think rugby compared to some other sports is actually doing as much as it could um or as much yeah he's doing he's doing a pretty good job yeah 
yeah, sorry, think, very long answer. No, but it's it's an imp- it's all important stuff. You know, I think the what's been really noticeable for me this year, and I can put myself in the shoes of a parent because it's it's all it, at first it was almost scary for me watching where every game I've seen this season there has been a very long injury break or what we would have called in the past an injury break. But I actually, after about two games, I came to the conclusion that it was really a prevention and care break because it was it was for things that probably in the past, the lad would have not gone down. He would have carried on, got to the next ruck, almost certainly been absolutely fine in reality. But now, and credit to the boys and to the education they're receiving, when they feel something particularly around the head area, they're going, they're going to ground and they're waiting. Um, and that's, I mean, I can tell you having been, having been that kid myself, that's a really difficult line to get the kid to cross, to get them to go, yeah, no, I need to take it seriously. I'm going down. Cause I'll tell you what I got, you know, and th- this is the part that probably worries parents. I got umpteen bumps on the head and just went, well, I'm not, I'm not getting taken off. I might not get back in the team or whatever my fear was at the time. So that initial thing of seeing, you know, 10 minute break while someone is being looked after is quite scary. And I'm sure for parents looking on though, it would seem quite scary, particularly if you've not necessarily been around the the sort of education that's going on and you're just seeing the, the end product. But actually what it is, is schools taking unbelievably good care of even the smallest of knocks right up to more serious things, but taking care of the most unbelievably innocuous of things in the most serious of ways to make sure that those more serious things are less likely to happen. And that when something serious does happen, it's absolutely taken care of because the the protocols there right from the, from the very start, it's probably will take a bit of getting used to from the touchlines for parents, I suspect of seeing, almost every game delayed because of this sort of excess of care, but excess in a, in a positive sense, but it is, it's different. And it's a bit, it, it takes, it takes you a moment to, to work it out. And I think probably part of, part of our job, I suppose, and part of the, the job of, of schools and guys like return to play is actually on educating parents that, just because we're stopping the game a lot and just because it seems like there's a lot of injuries doesn't mean necessarily that things are getting much worse. As you said, it, what it really means is we're just getting better at spotting things that are bad, but also preventing things that aren't that bad from becoming something bad. And it's, it's a, it's a real conversation to be had just to make sure that everyone knows that's what's going on because otherwise, you know, so-and-so in, in whatever publication could write about how, there's there's an injury rate of x percent across all schools and it's it's a disaster and what's the game coming to and the reality is that isn't what's going on what's going on is people are doing a phenomenal job at preventing injury and taking those injuries that do occur and that will always occur and will always occur in any sport um unbelievably seriously um you know yeah. it's it's a long time that 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 happened and it's not that people weren't taking stuff seriously before i suppose it's just that they didn't necessarily know how to um yeah i, th- I think that's the key point isn't it? is it's education like i like you said, i don't feel my coaches didn't care for me at school i i know they cared deeply people just didn't know you know we yeah. didn't know about 
the about subcontested flows and, and the impact they could have. And so we now know better, so we do better. What's great, you know, I've popped over to watch a little bit of Rygate versus Caterham on, on yeah. Saturday because you know, some a friends and some friends are, are working at Caterham. What was amazing was that so Caterham were attacking, it's a really key point in the game, but there's a Rygate player down with a head injury. Caterham players stopped the game. You know, to say like we need to look at that guy. Like that's that's a phenomenal thing for for young people to do, and and staff are so much better. You know, staff, as you said, no, most young competitive like boys and girls don't want to get pulled off the pitch if the game's tight. Staff are now good, you know gone are the days like oh all right, go on, get on. It's like no, it's done. Like you you're coming off now, and that's we're in a much better place than we were even five you know three five years ago let alone 10 years ago so yeah completely agree. education is the key one so many schools doing great stuff with education of parents as well and the more that everybody with any platform you can do, can do to, to educate about the game is is doing all it can to make itself as safe as it can is is, is great yeah yeah i think the that education thing is the most important thing of all really um yeah and that's why you know as soon as we can we're going to be doing a special with return to plays Dr. Sandbach, who um, is doing some incredible stuff with return to play and uh, is an absolute expert in the field. But I suppose a topic that we also want to get into that kind of ties into this a little bit is that it's been noticeable that there are some quite lopsided scores this season, particularly in the sort of lower, trying to find the right terminology, but the the the, the less well-known rugby playing schools um, at that, at that sort of non-elite end, I suppose of the of the school rugby spectrum, particularly seems to be seeing some score lines that are just a bit out of whack. Now that happens every year. There are some scores that that just seem a bit a bit funny because you know you get a good team one year and they're playing on a circuit that's the circuit they've always played on, but they actually happen that year to be too good for that circuit. But what are you going to do? Change all your fixtures? You know, the, there's an element of that every year, but this year seems more so. Um, I think maybe that there is a, a participation issue there and that there are maybe some schools that are struggling to get the numbers and therefore they're playing against teams they often have always played against and are finding the going quite tough because of that. You know, effectively, you're, you're losing you're losing ability because you've got fewer participants playing. But it's, I don't know, it struck me um, that yeah. that's been the way. Yeah, I think I think there's a few things I'd like to get into on it. The first one, which is more positive, and the second one may well ruffle a few feathers, but is, is an opinion that I think is worth sharing and, Let's, let's kind of start a discussion is that as you said established block fixtures sometimes you, you just get it where in one year you're better than the other team and this is let's talk you know, holistically now, right through blocks okay so from under 18 down to under 12 if you go there under 14 but schools that start there you know you might just have a really strong year group and that's okay that happens we're not talking about that um what i would say within that and i'll I guess which leads is that I'm not sure we should still be seeing teams scoring over 50 points when other teams are scoring, um, or and if a team has gone more than the option score less than 20, you can manage it. And I would say the emphasis there is a little bit on staff. So if we're having a participation crisis, schools talk. You know, you, you might say, you know, you might call up your opposite number and say, look, our 
our 15 Bs, like they're really struggling. We just need that. We we know you guys did that. That's fine. We're not asking you to. We're not asking to win the game. We're just asking. Let's make sure everybody has a good experience. So if you come away from the game with it being 47, 28, perfect. And you, and I believe, I genuinely believe you can you can manufacture scores like that. Like if that you can buy, you know, if you if you're and and it's the if you're in charge of that team who is dominant, you know, you can. And, and look, I'm not saying I, I've got this wrong. All right, so this isn't me trying to say I'm the same. You know, I've plenty of times, you know, look, you know, scoreline's got I control these things I, I should have done, and you know, so we're all learning and trying to get better all the time. But there have been, you know, you know, games where you go right, okay, we're getting on top. Let's start. So someone might be dominant the carry. And I hope this school isn't. So if, we go, if you a few years ago we played Kingswood School when I was at Wellington College, Kingswood in in the Champions Trophy. Their head of rugby, I think it's Tim Reen, fantastic guy. And they, you know, they, and again, if you go back to like 2013, they had a side that was yeah, they've had some top great 10 in the country. Yeah. But he was always like, look, this year, Dan, we're not going to have a good game once we won. And then it's, he's also, but it's a cup game. I understand that. And it's like, you know, and they don't want to play a second team because that's disrespectful. Yeah. So then we get, and we know we got a few scores up. And then after, I know I mentioned Kyle a lot, but I have a huge hold in me very high regard. So Kyle, a, you start rotating players, but you start challenging players. So, okay, you you can't break tackles now. You've got to pass. Like, you've got to move it. You, and again, at, at lower levels, I know from speakers and I know when we were going to have this conversation, reached out to colleagues in the school. I can, I know there are at least three, you know, three or four schools who last Saturday at different various blocks, like took players off, like lowered the numbers, you know, took, you know in order to make sure that a, that a scoreline didn't, didn't get out of hand and the and that because i would say if we do that that will solve the participation thing if it, the reality is if you're in a team if i if you're for i think if you're a 14 year old boy or girl and you're getting beaten by 50 60 points week in week out the reality is it is still hard it's hard to find the love like everyone's competitive it's you know so we can manufacture that and i and i would and again, yeah, we, we need, what we need to celebrate is, is close games. We need to really give credit. And again, it is much easier when you're in that top 10, top 15 of schools because you can kind of go and play anybody. And of course, it's much more challenging when you lie in that kind of 50 to 75 or, or but yeah, kind of region where you're trying really hard. You're going to be way better some years than other and year groups will vary wildly. But just be creative, you know, look at the stuff that the, the that the Magic Academy put out there in terms of challenge cards. Like just do a bit of work with your coaches. I don't think it's on referees, I think, which is what people go to. Um No, I agree with that. Society. As a player, there's <laughs> um, nothing there's nothing worse than a referee trying to even it. It's exactly. Exactly. It's and, and it's not so and you know, you can argue when it's a teacher, but but if it's a society if it's a society referee, hundred percent it's not their job to manage the score line. Um, it, it's the it's the role of coaches if it's if it's getting out of hand. Um, yeah, we want to see. Really, we, we don't want. I, I'll be. I'm not interested if you put a cricket score on somebody. I I don't. And I'll, I I just don't care. I don't care if you've beaten somebody by seventy points. That, all that shows to me is you play a team you are miles better than and you probably shouldn't have played. Um, which, and that will probably get me a little flat round, and that's fine. But that's how I feel about it. And I think we have to do something to try and eradicate those. We should see, I would argue, we shouldn't see scores getting really beyond 30. You can make a point, and, and where I'd go to with this, 
is I, I actually think the Daily Mail Trophy is part of the problem at first team. I think because it, it incentivizes teams to score big to get that try scoring bonus point. It incentivizes that, 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 and it kind of the equivocation of I know it has that weighting for the top 25, but the, and again, with to, to somehow equivocate that, you know, a Rygate Grammar win is the same as Kirkham's win over Clifton. Those those two games of rugby are miles away from each other in, yeah. in terms of level. There should be, and again, that will get me crit. That's fine. What we should have is more competition like the schools championship with schools playing in, in the right level for themselves. And I think, you know, a couple of years ago, obviously we've got ACE that sets a really good standard for it. I think a few years ago, St Paul's, Dulwich, Radley. I can't remember who was it, but they did something. Yeah. When I was at Caterham, we did something with Seven Oaks, City London Freemans, Worth. You can find. That's, I think, the way forward for these sort of league comps, and and that should stop. I hope, or could help us manage. It's not going to stop. You're never going to get rid of it. I get that, and of course, they happen now and again through no one's fault. But I think we can do more as coaches. Yeah, and I'm, and then I look at it from that perspective, I guess, to try and stop those games getting out of hand, um, and and that's. Again, I'm sure there'll be a bit of backlash for that, but you know, let's have a conversation about no, it. Exactly. If you really disagree, tell me why. That's, no, I, mean, that's fine. It's, I think it's a really interesting area. I mean, the, putting myself in the shoes of, or in the shoes I used to wear as a as a school player all those years ago, there are two things that used to really, really wind me up when when there was a big scoreline in terms of interventions people would make. One was was refs getting involved particularly if they didn't communicate that they were changing things. So you would get, you'd suddenly start being penalised for stuff yeah. and you're going, what? Like, what's yeah. going And, you know, eventually someone will go, oh, he's just trying to even it up. And you're going, well, you've got, you still have to apply the law. Like if, I, if I'm, <laughs> you can't, you can't just punish me for, for, for doing the right thing as it was 20 minutes ago. And now it's the wrong thing. So that used to drive me insane. And I would, and I would, I really don't think, kind of as we said, the onus is not on the refs to even it up. All it does is frustrate the players and probably means the likelihood of someone doing something stupid increases. Um, it, it, you know, it's just, it, it, there's a no-win scenario there. The other one that used to wind me up, and it's probably a bit more controversial because it is quite a popular option, but it used to be um, when you would teams would start getting mixed up you'd be a player or, or would be sent across to go and play for the opposition or whatever used to hate it i would rather not That's play hard. than play against my team it was was always the way i felt about that and and it's probably yeah it's probably one of the easiest things you can do to even a game up but i i remember it you know and and you know, the world has moved on since i played obviously but i'd remember that being a really strong feeling which was I would rather not play than play against my team. Um, and it was, it used to drive me insane when you'd ha you'd have a teammate playing against you and you, you know, I just, I wasn't interested and it was a demotivating factor. Um, yeah. So that, they were the bits say, I felt strongly about. Yeah. And I think the, the, the players going to other teams, I would say certainly my experience has only happened when you certainly would never compel a boy or girl. To, to do that because that would you just can't do that and only if say for some and so there's been illness you know you're in boring sort of thing and, and what you can call up we've got nine like in us can we come over and then I go look yeah we've got 18 
two of the three of the boys that mind playing will play a game of 12. I think that's where you get yeah, to that's, being okay. That's different. That's different. But, but that's, a, that's a very different thing. But I think, you know, the kind of thing I'm talking about is that the easy one you can do is drop numbers. All right, and it's and and you can you can say really explicitly to your team, look, uh, we're we're winning. That's fine. So you've you've ticked off challenge one, which was you know now now I'm going to challenge you. So first challenge is, well, you know, when we're in a tight game, we might get a yellow card. So let's get used to playing with fourteen. Let's maybe mm-hmm. play with thirteen. Then you can go to okay. Now I want you to score a multi-phase try. I want or I want you to score from a crossfield kick. Or you know you, you can't score from a, if if you've got say a dominant player who's running through that player can't score he cannot score anymore so then you challenge that player yeah. so particularly younger players now rather than that player carrying through scoring five tries actually make that player think about how they can positively impact the game without just running over five guys like there's I think you can create challenges within the game um, and again you have to you should communicate it with the opposition because you don't want to look like you're because all of a sudden if your players start kicking it like all the time yeah. and you start playing kind of you know Harlem Globetrotters you, you don't want to look disrespectful but most again the school the good great thing about the school games is teachers teachers get that people need good experiences to stay in the game say look this is we want to keep this game balanced this is what we're going to do in the second half you, you you're right with that people I've never had a guy say no I'm not all right. I'm the coach and after go say no I'm not all right let's try and make it a good game so that would be what I would say it's not going to be able to happen all the time. I accept that. I accept not everybody will agree with me and there'll be some really strong opinions that no, you just get on with it and you've got to suck it up and that's what makes you tough and you get beat by 70. I, I don't buy that. I don't believe that. But I accept that you know, my opinion doesn't make me right. But and it's, you know, I'm not, I'm not that arrogant. But there's, I just think it's, it's something for us to think about as, as we have seen. And, you know, when you pointed this out to me, um, you know, and if you flick down to them like lower teams in blocks, you see some really lopsided scores, and and that's even more worrying for participation. As I alluded to earlier, like we don't want to see young kids in B and C teams just getting beaten by 50, 60 points every week. We want to keep them in the game. You know, Luke Romano and All Black played four years of D team rugby. Like we need to keep guys in the game, and and that's end of point there. And again, in, please tell us your views on it, and you know, and it'll be interesting to have a, maybe another conversation. So we've got key thoughts, but that's certainly how I feel about it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I actually think that's really where it's important is in the whatever it might be, third fifteen, fourth fourth fifteen, the under fifteen C's, whatever whatever team it might be. That's where I think it impacts enjoyment and participation. At first team level, if someone's particularly at the sort of let's say top thirty schools in the country, if someone sticks yeah. 50, if someone sticks fifty on you, it's not gonna you're not gonna stop playing the game. You're you're not gonna suddenly hate the game. You're gonna basically be wound up that someone did you. Um, that's that's how I reckon a lot of people would feel because you if you've reached that point, you you almost certainly love the game and you're almost certainly unbelievably yeah. competitive about it. If you're in the third 15 or four 15 and three weeks on the trot, you're getting hammered. You're probably going to go, I'm going to go and play whatever else. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't need to particularly because, you know, rugby for all its great sides, it does have the, the downside if you're not that into it of you're playing out in the wet, cold, muddy, horrible, horrible pitches, you know, if you if you're not if you're not feeling it in the game, then 
you know something in a sports hall does start to sound quite attractive so yeah. you know that's the level probably where i think the focus needs to be and also that's the level where the participation is the the key factor i think you know at first team level yeah we don't want to see people getting running up silly scores really but it i think it's less problematic at, at first team level because the, the the kids the kids want to be there already um yeah you know, they're they're stuck in yeah I mean, yeah and I know I'm a bit weird on it because I know when I was a kid, I actually, I, I, I hated losing, still hate losing, but I, it didn't, the level of hatred of it didn't really vary between one point and however many points. It, it, right, to be honest, it was worse when it was close, but, like, but I didn't, didn't mind. But actually it was pretty obvious even then that I was an outlier in the way that I felt. And that's the way that you've got to, look at it is it's not about what does the odd person here and there think or feel it's how does the average feel because i didn't i i really didn't i'd rather on a personal level i'd rather get pumped than see the opposition trying to tailor things to make me feel like i'm in it or that would be that would be the way i would receive it that's not really what they're doing they're trying to just make a good game but i was always aware that i was an outlier in that most people would rather be in a close game and that's the people that you have to you have to cater towards because the majority are the people that you need to stay in the game the odd freak like me it doesn't matter because <laughs> i'm if i'm getting pumped every week i'm still going to turn up and play so it doesn't really yeah. it doesn't make a difference what you do for me yeah i think my last point on it would be exactly what you were talking about which you know it's really, we need and we do try to be delicate but there are clear levels of, of rugby within it, you know, first teams are not all created equal. So if we talk about so two schools where I've been lucky enough to be head of rugby, Cater and, and, and Wellington. Say if if we go and play, it didn't happen to us luckily. But when I was, but if we, if we went and played Millfield at Wellington and we got and they stuck fifty on us, you just be like these these boys can handle that. Like this is absolutely fine. Like we we are these boys are well prepared enough. They're in the game. They've done enough that. We've done something. We need to look at ourselves as coaches. How do we prepare them and look at them, and we'll learn from it and get better. Whereas, you know, if I don't know, when I was at Catrum and you're getting on top of, say, just for, again because of those differences in you, it's so variable. You need to maintain that relationship. So if you need to, if you do start getting and suddenly again, well, actually, I might go and speak to either way. So I remember getting absolutely stuff by by Kings Canterbury mm. and. And, and Matt is a really good saying, yeah, look, mate, look, we're, we're going to make up change the second half and stuff. And it was like, great. And we, we lost the game by 35 points, but it just meant that our boys came away from feeling they did a bit better. And the same, you know, the games later, where, yeah. you know, later on there, where we got it, it was like, actually, right, you've done your bit now. Like, we're still going to win this game. That's fine. We live, but let's, we don't need to. And it's where I think my issue comes and why that kind of dig at the day is where, where schools, I think, seek out right we think we're better than them this year so let's go play them let's make sure we can score five tries and get five and a half points whatever it is in that ridiculous competition right <laughs> <laughs> sorry I'm, that's how i feel about it and um and it might and again i i feel it has no value that's that's my feeling on it and i've felt that way for a while and that's when i was coaching catering where we were you know battling to be 90th to when for the last few years at wellington we were in the mix to win it going into the last couple of weeks. But, and I'd love to be persuaded 
to, to the merit of it. Um, but that that's my is that you see a few teams manipulate that, and that's that's my thing. But I think you're absolutely right, and I'll I'll stop now because I'm repeating myself. <laughs> no, you don't be silly. You're speaking your mind. That's what counts. Um, I mean, I think it's a topic we'll probably end up coming back to uh, through the season because I mean, a bit of it that I suppose we haven't considered is that early in the season you're not necessarily as aware of your uh, of your level and of other people's levels because you don't have enough data basically yeah. to work that and out and, and injuries yeah exactly and injuries and all the rest <laughs> of it so the, the we'll keep we'll keep tracks on it and we'll probably come back to this at some point in the season and see if see if it was a a trend and it and it sort of played into our participation fears or whether actually it was a just hard grounds to start the season lots of injuries and you know people weren't sure of their level blah 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 um so we'll find it find it out but i suppose uh <laughs> Having just talked about all of that, we'll now get into our top five. Um, <laughs> um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a wider range period. The top five because what we've got loads of schools played last Wednesday and Thursday because they had the weekend off for exiats and leave weekends and stuff. Um, so we're including teams from those games we're also going to stretch it forward a little bit to the um uh tuesday and wednesday games of the cup this week um so there's a lot of uh there's, it's a bit of a fudge but um we'll get we'll get ourselves to five teams somehow or another um i'm gonna i'm gonna just throw some names at you that have, yep. that have popped into my head um, yeah i've got my list as well and having having just uh, having spoken about big scores, uh, I am going to throw one in that that had a big score, which is Bradford Grammar School uh, against Pocklington. And it's not really because of their having a big victory against Pocklington. It's that Bradford Grammar School, after a quiet few years, have come flying out the blocks. Um, I actually think they got knocked out of the cup, uh, or the, the Vars rather, yesterday. But that aside, they've got yeah. absolutely flying out the traps. Um, this is just really cool to see what they're doing. Um, it's nice to see those sorts of schools back, isn't it? Again, because again, yeah, exactly. uh, a lot of the people who listen to this won't remember. If you go back to the the first Daily Mail Cup, as it was then, you know, Bradford Grammar walked the final uh, with the entire England battle, and we talked about how it's all cyclical. So it is nice, and we're seeing it particularly up north, which is great. Yeah, um, yeah. That there are there are there are more schools sort of getting getting much 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 better. So yeah, even though yeah, <laughs> school, and I think it's Dan Scarborough there, isn't it? Yeah, it's done. Or what? Yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. like do, clearly doing a great job. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a couple who they probably won't make our top five, but in defeat, I wanted to give them a shout out because it's not always just about going and beating someone. You know, it's about performance. Um, Bedford Modern just losing out in a pretty tight game against Stamford. Yeah. Stamford, who we've seen started the season by beating Stowe. We know how good Stowe are. So we know it's a decent Stamford side. So Bedford Modern, who've been quiet for a few years. That's a that's a really impressive effort, um, you know. And in a quieter week, that might have nudged them into the top five. Yeah, and I think it would. And I think, as I said, because I noted them, and part of it, I again I would love as you exactly as you said, couldn't agree with that sentiment more. That like you shouldn't have, you don't have to win to be to to be worthy of of mention here. And it's again nice to see a program that not that long ago, again probably because. 
if the guys who are currently playing first will be like, well, they haven't done anything forever, but you don't have to go back, you know, yeah, you don't have to go 2010, back they, not for, like, you know, there was a time, you know, when Bedford versus Bedford Modern, like, was probably one of the best games that was happening around the country. So, it, again, really nice to to see them hopefully get back. It's, again, it's so cool that there are some new schools emerging and some old schools coming back, whereas we've probably, are having had kind of five years of relative stability of, same kind of five six names there's now a few we're trying to push it maybe not there quite yet they're trying to push it but yeah no amazing for them. but yeah and, i think we'll see yeah and on a well on a similar track um reading bluecoat um 16 12 defeat against st paul's yeah reading bluecoat we've seen a lot of on next gen 15 because we've done a few a few live streams of them but again that's a that's a, a small up-and-coming program up against st paul's a kind of giant of of the school scene in, in any respect really um and, and running them that close is a is a, a massive effort um but i'm just going to rattle through a couple of other shout outs um st albans forget the scoreline against st benedict's just again more the um more the more the fact that this is a you know another school that small smallish school in terms of their rugby and they're really progressing through the levels you know we've seen getting far more involved with saracens i mean obviously their proximity to saracens training ground um is useful but they yeah they're progressing massively um really impressive probably one where i don't know how long that block's been going but i would imagine saint benedict's probably being on top that would be one where i don't i don't think saint i would have expected that and no. I don't think Benny. So it's just again. Sometimes, yeah, that's just it's know, just one of those. That's one of those one of yeah. those games. And also, it's a you know a kind of to our point. It's early season. There's not enough. You're probably looking at last year to get a gauge on what this year is. And last year, St Albans were on the rise. St Benedict's had a phenomenal year. Yeah. They're probably going. This will be you know 25, 23, something like that. I don't yeah, think anyone was expecting what. And what, Benny's um, lost a few lost two or three under 16s and from a good under 16 group the yeah. boys have headed off to other schools which is, has probably hurt them a little bit yeah um and then just while well, we mentioned it before you were you you were at it Rygate grammar school off to, off to a really good start to the season 27 13 against Caterham. again another one that in another week might have might have nudged them into into top five just on the back of of what a good start to the year they've had um after you know they very much, I think they're a side that is, or a school that is, um, in that sort of cyclical pattern that we've talked about. They will have years where they have really, really top, top teams. Um, certainly on the circuit that, that that they're on, and they've had other years, you know, last couple of years where they've they've been a bit quieter, but they they've always had the ability. And if we go back to like the seventies or eighties, they were you know all conquering oh. Rygate Grammar School, but you know the um, they they've got. They've always got the potential for a, a strong year yeah. group and then a really good performance. And that, and that, well, even not that longer, like the the Max Core year group, they won a they won a Rosling Park title at sixteen, yeah. didn't they? Um, and again, that that game, which is yeah, that, that that's a derby, having been that one, and it was probably again having worked to cater from it. You know, it's not tough to say it's because of right, but it's. I was I I showed up and the game was really tight and I thought Caterham had enough like in a couple of back rows they probably had too much powerful carriers on the pitch but Rygate as a team just found a way and they scored a try at the end that put a gloss on it but they deserved that in the end is a I think Caterham would be frustrated but yeah and it's 
if that look that Rygate team, the way it's going, looks so it's one that at the level it plays at, you know, Doug Cooper there is is making that team nuggety, hard to beat, finding a way, believing in each other, and and that's kind of what scoreboard rugby is about. Yeah, I think so. Um, I'm I'm really impressed by the way they've they've started the year, um, but not in the top five. Now we've got to whittle down the top five. Yeah. Um, first team for me, first team that I'm throwing into the mix is Ipswich, having seen them live against Northampton School for Boys. Uh, sorry, against Denston College. Um, but having seen them live the previous week against Northampton School for Boys, they came with a completely different approach against Denston College. Um, yeah. another side who like Ipswich are very good on the physical front and it was an incredibly physical game but Ipswich when we're going wide at every opportunity we'll dig in physically defensively but actually we want to get it wide we want to attack all kind of started going pear shape for them 17-7 down at half time and then they just dug in um, and really it's the digging in and finding a way to get the to get it done that for me puts them in um, you know they would have been gutted had it ended up Defeat to NSB, defeat to Denson College. They would have been they would have been kicking themselves in two games that they would have probably thought they should they would they might be able to nudge over the line and then just I thought the way the the boys stepped up took responsibility was incredible. Yeah, look, it's great to see teams bounce. I guess the that's really it's always impressive. So and kind of on that note, the kind of my first team to throw into it would be Whitgift. I think we're probably going to agree that. Harrow will be in the top five. Well, I don't know. Um, they're certainly in my because so Harrow having beaten Whitgift and having had an incredible start to the season. Interesting, they're not playing in the cup this year. You know, having yeah. maybe felt like it. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to know why that's happening. Is it about new to school? Is it about managing schedule? I suspect it's about managing bodies. Actually, yeah, I would have thought um, so. Yeah. And um, but so Whitgift having you know having lost three on the bounce to to Zedba, Wellington Harrow, um, having played Harrow on a Saturday, then had to go to Epsom on a Tuesday. Epsom also had a tough start, so two teams who were were looking for and and came away with an away win at, at Epsom. Now, all right, this this might not be you know the Epsom Epsom side of kind of you know Archie White years, Kitten Ojo stuff like that. But Epsom College is still decent, and to go away and win, they would have had the people there watching. And I think, again, just to, probably for the same reason, but if it's just character for that game, we obviously didn't see it, so we don't know. But that would have shown a lot of character yeah. for, for for that group, and you know, a, a team with a with a pretty storied cup history. You know, getting their season going uh, with a cup win, kind of whether they end up in there, gets them in the mix. I think for for the top five. Really. Yeah, um, and I. Th- We'll circle back to Whitgift because there's another aspect of the Whitgift thing that I want to talk about. Um, yeah. But Harrow, for their performance against Whitgift and, and just their continued performances, I think, to me, they're in. to me, they're in. I, I just think they're, they're doing some unbelievable stuff at the moment. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, the power... Oh, yeah, Kirkham, Kirkham got me in. No, I wouldn't, or you were... You were you were moving into the exact point I was going to make, which is that <laughs> t- teams just performing absolutely on the money in Kirkham down at Clifton College or down at Clifton Rugby Club against um, against Clifton College was just extraordinary, wasn't it? I mean, 
that was their first game of the season as well because their their headmaster was was fairly firm on on not playing during the um during the morning period um so your first game of the season big trip down to clifton a clifton side that have already played some big opponents in in millfield and old swinford hospital and um they turn up bang on the money um, <laughs> i was yeah. i was so impressed yeah it was, again that's it was the the physicality of it again, two teams in it. And it is, I think I'm bang on about this probably a lot, but it's, it's winning on the road always impresses me. Uh, in, in schoolboy rugby, it's, it's hard. I think home means more. And, and again, I know Clifton Rugby Club isn't Clifton College, so it's not uh, being on big, it's big side of Clifton College as well, isn't it? Yeah. Sorry if I've, if I've sort of called the wrong thing there, but it's, um, but it's still a home game and the lights and obviously a very, really emotional night for Clifton College um, with it being the memorial match uh, and they had great success and they've had great success in that game over the last few years and, and and hopefully raised a huge amount of money still but yeah that performance from Kirkham yeah we knew we knew they were good we knew they were going to be good but they, they seem to be matching expecting it seems to be matching expectation at the moment so I think you know two teams who again <laughs> probably slightly boring and predictable selections for top five, but I think just at the moment, performing so well, they have to be in there for us. Well, hundred percent. But I'll tell you what: what's what's not boring and predictable uh, is the side that I think is going to end up making it. For, I mean, I'm going to chuck out some some names just before we get there. Hampton yeah. playing some unbelievable stuff. Um, yeah, I think what Stowe have, have done after after a tricky first week has been incredible. Um, said, but. Do we just keep leaving them out because we expect so yeah. much of them? Maybe um, they're just absolutely flying along. Tunbridge, 12 all draw at Eton College, who started the year really well, and Tunbridge have started it much less well. I think that's a, I hope for them that that's a real confidence booster um, because that was, that's a tricky, a tricky test away at Eton College this year. Uh, and getting that draw is really impressive. Um, Bedford are absolutely flying along. Sherbin with a with a good win in the uh, in the cup as well last week, but for me number five, Finborough School, thirty one seventeen against Northampton School for boys who, as we've seen, you know, to to show you what a good result that is, Ipswich who are in our top five have been defeated by Northampton School for boys, Denston College only managed to beat them by a point. This is a really good team that Northampton School for boys side. Fimbra, a lot's been said about them, but no one had no one had seen that sort of signature performance yet um, against a side that we all knew was really good, and they've they went and put it in at the weekend, and that's just an a, an outstanding effort. Yeah, I I had them as well, so I think we're we're agreed, and it'll be the last two places where we have a chat in a minute. But it's just reiterating that I'm pretty sure that year group has been together. I, I'm. I, I could correct me if I'm wrong on this, somebody, but I'm. I don't think that is a team that is that has come in at six. Or that that is a team that has been together a while. I seem to remember a few years ago. I think I said to you Paul, earlier you know, when I was at Wellington, my first in there, and the one in my second under fourteen went and played them and came say I think they've had a good group. The way I think you mentioned that that mm. Joel Kapoku's younger brother is is in that team and. It looks that they're just, which is a great story for Scott. Again, a bit like that kind of, as I said, that that Rygate Grammar, Max Coyle, you know, where they, they had a really good group. They probably could have gone off to bigger name schools then for, and got scholarship, but they stayed together, had a great six. It looks as though Finsborough are doing that. And, and that's really cool. And hopefully, 
they'll have a run somewhere in a cup or in sevens or, or, or we'll just keep talking about it. Keep looking, keep looking because I'm sure they've got some other tough games coming up. But yeah, huge result for against them, against a good NSB team. So I think they're in. So we've got three. We've got three of our five. The, the I'll tell you what, just on that Fimbra thing as well, just one for everyone to look out for. On Tuesday, they take on Ipswich in the cup. Yeah. Local derby. That's going to be absolutely massive. Yeah, but as you um, say, we're 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 getting to we'll our learn more. getting to our five. So who's we'll in? Learn more there. So I, I I think I think we've got Harrow, Fimbra, and and Kirkham locked. So of of the uh, the only other team I mentioned, right? So I, and I'll talk is I'll just Newcastle I've written down. This is a late one because yeah. they cut performance. So just responding again, responding to defeat. Going away, I'm becoming super predictable with this. <laughs> going away to Barn Castle and and getting a win. Um, so that to me is impressive. I guess where it's coming hard, I, I think what you just said about said the sparks that been in me is, is you know, it's important. Maybe we say this isn't necessarily saying these are the best five teams in the country this week. This is again what we're doing. This is respective of the the level that 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 your school plays at, and we're trying to be. You know, respectful to to all of that, and as you said, yeah, you know, that you know, Tunbridge bouncing back from a tough start, you know, is is really to see, you know, Bedford one, but so I'm, yeah, you know, as you say, do do we are just ignoring Sedford because the bar is so high, um, and I feel, I'm sorry, Noxie, it's not it's not on purpose, but it, um, I think unfortunately, probably that in my head they miss out. Which is probably brutally unfair, and I'm sure Sedbird players, fans, parents will feel like, well, what more do we have to do? And I, I'm, I haven't really got a good answer, but um, but but so there's um, and then it's a, well, it's a tricky one, it, I think, with Sedbird as well, because they the nature of the the geography of where they are, um, and they're they're just unbelievable quality means that yeah. oftentimes you're waiting for them to go and play an absolute whale of a side to get a real gauge on on what a performance level is because with the greatest respect in the world to some of the sides that they're playing they just don't have the resources that a sebba do and so you it's yeah. it's difficult to make a, a fair judgment on what's going on yeah. necessarily and which is also why it's good it's that the rugby it's kind of resurgent, you know, schools rugby is resurgent in, in, in that part of the world, which also means Sepper don't have to clock up quite so many miles on a coach. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's um and I think again, sometimes their their scores don't always look as crazy as they could because again, Simon is very, very good at, at managing games. He manages you know, he will not he will not put a foot on a throat. He will he will you know look at okay, right we've got what we need to let's now look at different experiments or combination of players so and that's to their credit which maybe means they kind of fly a bit under a radar which is unfair so I'm almost slightly changed my mind on seven but I think they probably just yeah I'll put them sixth um it's I think (laughs) the much coveted sixth place yeah I've I would say so for me then I think it's four or so so and again Ipswich Whitgift, RGS Newcastle, and then, well, and then maybe Hampton said before. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. I'm going to say not Hampton, actually. So I think, so Ipswich, Whitgift, RGS Newcastle. Then I said no to Sedbert, 
right then that that's my so Ipswich, Whitgift, Guardians, Newcastle. The rest got rests over to you, I reckon. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> okay, well, right. Harry Fimbra Kirkham locked in. For me, having seen them live, I'm going yeah. Ipswich. Um, I thought, particularly because because we just so, I just so happened to have seen them live back to back games and seen them seen them just miss out the previous week and then just just nick it um, the next week. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the four spot. Well, and so if I've put my foot down, I'll get I'll I'll let you put your foot down on the on the final team. <laughs> Unless you get it wrong, in which case I'll put my foot back down. <laughs> yeah, I thought I got away with swearing the decision. Um, so I think so probably between RGS Newcastle and Sedba for me. Um, again, playing to type. I'm going to go for the bounce back away win and, and go RGS Newcastle. I think. So to be fair. sorry to Sedba supporters. That's the way I would have leaned as well, because in my in my head, that's a tight game, and probably in both of their heads, that's a tight game. Um, and actually, it was a, it was a pretty strong, strong looking um, performance based on the on the result there from RGS. And as you say, bouncing back, I'm happy with that fifth spot. Yeah. So our top five teams of quite literally a week are Fimbra, Ipswich, Harrow. Kirkham Grammar School and RGS Newcastle. Good, ge- good geographical spread on that as well. It's <laughs> almost like we planned it, but I can assure you we didn't. <laughs> no, far from, as, <laughs> as, as the convo probably showed. Right, so now the, the next bit of comical debate is uh, is picking our back row. Well, well that's out of interest. I can see how, because I think there's a couple of locks, so, so we'll see. A lot well, of good players. I so. found it really interesting because I thought, in my head... There are a million unbelievable good, unbelievably good back row players from school rugby, but I ended up narrowing it down really quickly and quite easily because there are just some guys that just stand out by miles. Yeah, so I think I felt so. so we might end up saying the same names. It's maybe we'll one at a time. Uh, so if I'll start with one then it would I'll go with Zach Mercer so we started at the back it was a, he just so particularly remember St. Joe's Festival when he was at when he was at Murky just unplayable um I actually when we were doing this again dropped a couple of people get get a bit more insight and again I remember so Simon at, at Sebba just saying when they they played them and he kind of like carried them you know, Simon Knox was pretty clear he's you know, the best that opposing eight he'd seen there and carrying the ball back 40 times in that game. And there's, I just think, again, we're talking, we're talking about what they did as, as schoolboys, not what they necessarily come with. Obviously, Zach is, you know, getting the top 14 side of the season if you're not he's, a good player. He's done all right since as well. Yeah, he's done all right. And I think all, I think we'll probably find they all have, but it's, um, you know, Zach was pretty unplayable as a yeah. as a as a schoolboy. Um, and again, because he went to school in Scotland, essentially, to to my knowledge, pretty much had a pick of Premiership club when he came yeah. out. To, I think a, a lot of clubs wanted him. Um, so, 
Uh, yeah, I think so. For me, Zach, Zach Mercer at a, I, I sort of tried to pick an actor. And that, well, and that, bit, and so, that yeah. St. Joe's performance, to be honest, was was incredible. He, I remember someone coming up to me at some point being that weekend uh, and kind of going, "Have you have you seen the Merkiston Castle number eight? And I went, "Do you mean the 12? And then we realised that it was because he was carrying so much. We'd both, we, I just, we'd sort of thought there were two players. Because <laughs> it was just like it was incredible how much ball he was taking on, yeah. and the positions he was taking up, it was just it was freakish stuff. Um, lo and behold, you know the person who actually played against him had a fairer idea of where he was playing rather than me, the idiot, <laughs> thinking he was playing at twelve. But <laughs> it was definitely him. He was just relentless. He was he was so good. Um, and yeah, it's really good to see him starting to play at that kind of level in the professional game as well. But, you know, he, he, as a schoolboy, he was he was a freak. So, yeah, so he's gone in and then... So we agreed that... So yeah, Zach's that in. Zach has to be okay. in, I think. Fine. Okay. So then have you got anyone you think would like they're in? Well, yeah. So I'll tell you what. I'll give you a guy who, because, because Zach's in, I want to give a shout out to you because it... Yeah, it probably means he won't be based on where he played at school, which was yeah. kind of with Lewis Ludlam at St Joe's. Yeah, captain won the St Joseph's Festival. And this is not all about whether you won or lost as a schoolboy; it's just about how you performed. But the pressure he was under as a schoolboy and as the best player and the captain to deliver was immense, and he did deliver. Um, and he delivered in the most extraordinary way. And he did that throughout the season. I remember that year watching him play away at Campion in the cup. I actually think they may have lost. I can't remember the exact result, but I think they may have lost. But it's a horribly difficult place to go. Uh, and I think a few of the St. Joe's players struggled. Yeah. Not Lewis. Lewis just I like, think give, give me the ball. I'll run into whoever I need to run into. I'll go and get my face stuck in the mud. I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be halfway through a puddle. Yeah, whatever it was, he was he was prepared to take it up. He was a, he was a phenomenal player as a schoolboy. But as a schoolboy, he was very much a number eight. And if we're looking at num- a number eight, Zach Mercer, yeah, Zach Mercer just just beats him to it. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's on my list as well, kind of in contention for six. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't realize he played all his schoolboy rugby at eight. Uh, so you, you've got so he's, he's kind of in, he's not I mean, on to be, my, he to be fair, my team. To be fair, I'm fudging it though because there's a bloke that I'm definitely having in the team that also definitely played eight. <laughs> and I, no. well, I might as well throw out who that is. Yeah, but Ben Earl. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he was again unplayable, wasn't well, he? Mind, I, 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 mind I, you, did also play a bit twelve. So. Yeah. So, I'd forgotten, but I I picked him as a seven again. This is based on the way you see him playing. That yeah, he yeah. three and then and that was when Temmage were really good. Mm. Probably probably the last again they've had good sides. The last really really strong you know top top echelon side yeah. they've had and and played three years first him like and he, I remember yes. even as an under sixteen was just. Again, I think both of the what these guys have in common, I would say, is, is they look like men playing a boys' game yeah. when they were yeah. in when when they're in sixth form, and, and that 
just that standout at that moment yeah. in their career. Um, well, and that, yeah. that thing that, that Ben had, which he still has now, I mean, a phenomenal athlete, um, but at schoolboy level, almost the bits that, to his game that you don't necessarily see now quite as much just because, you know, everyone is, is big and powerful. Um, but he still, he had that pace and athleticism that he has now and that um that competitiveness but he was as you say he was a, he was kind of a, a man playing a boy's game the power that he brought and the explosiveness that he had was just frightening um i thought yeah. he was I thought he was an incredible incredible schoolboy player um yeah i don't think it's, i think he's probably the best character i've seen live you know what i mean like at schoolboy level like yeah. being being pitched so i'm sure and i just remember being blown away that he wasn't 21 <laughs> but, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah which is a credit to, to Ben I'm sure the hard work he's done and still does and is obviously having a fantastic career so That's okay massive. so we've got two we've, we've, got, two. we've got two um, someone who I think will we'll just, just while we're on but someone who I think will probably just miss out miss out but kind of who's kind of tried his best to stop better with, with Josh with Josh Basham uh, yeah. at Wellington and um, and and kind of, I think, I think we're we'll probably again was just an incredible school. But again, three years the first team rugby at very very strong rugby playing programs. Um, I still think, having seen him, that he's he's got a very bright future. He won't be as for those who didn't follow the schoolboy game when he was at school. He won't be as big a name as those guys we just mentioned. But a phenomenal rugby player back at London Irish now, where he where he started, obviously. Um, so and you know play more but he he was he was phenomenal as a as a schoolboy um, yeah. and certainly in, in the mix I think. yeah basham basham was awesome um just a real all-rounder i thought as well uh and kind of not dissimilar to another guy who i think might just miss out but and same initials josh bayliss <laughs> who i think if he'd had his upper sixth year probably nudge his way in here because as a lower sixth he was unbelievable in that millfield team my abiding memory of him is is a sevens player um probably because that was just the most recent time i saw him as a schoolboy and he was yeah you know, for a big lad who you know probably he he would say he would say himself nowadays his his best operating areas of the field is not is not the open space and yet he found the open space and he absolutely thrived in it. Um, I remember one try, I think it was a Surrey Sevens, he went absolutely charging down the left-hand side and it was this sort of modern modern age of, of back rowers where he had the gas to go the length, but also the power to throw off any would-be tacklers that, that caught up. It was it was amazing to witness. Um, yeah. But I think uh, his, I, his lack of lap six year probably hurts him. Yeah, and that's, that is so weird. Like, that's exactly what I did. Like he was so good, and it was such a shame to to see him, you know, on a on a touchline on crutches. I think it was his, I mean, it was his ACL or his, his knee or his ankle. It was nasty. Yeah, it was, it really was nasty. a really horrible injury. And then, and head boy as well, I think. Was it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, and and so I think, and again, having spoken to some of the Millfield staff who were there when he was there, I speak phenomenally highly of. Of Josh, which is great. Cat again, all he's got again, probably pretty of the guys we know, impressive characters. So Josh, I probably again, I think misses out because of that lack of for six year. Um, but great to see that he, yeah, you know, has bounced back from 
you know, and and is now absolutely flying in the, in the professional game and you know an international rugby player. So, but yeah, I think well, it's well, I think we're going to land on the same name at six, and we'll see. I'll, I'll, let's see what 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 you say. Well, I was just going to pick up on something you said there, though. So the a lot of these guys are good characters, and it it's we could do a whole episode on this, but it just. There's something about back rowers and being good characters, good leaders. A lot of captains. What, yeah, what do you think that is? Is it is it because it's the place where your nose is in the dirt the most, and so, and you're the you're your entire being is about sacrificing for others, which makes you that kind of a character. Like, what what do you reckon it is? Funny one, isn't it? Because you get a lot of hookers as captains as well, which yeah. you could argue, you know, would be the closest to a fourth back row to the massively obese rugby cliche. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're in the game. So I think I'm trying to think of it from a coach point of view. Now. You're in the game all the time. So you're close to it, probably got a bit of game sense. You tend to be a little bit of that kind of, you know, follow me over the, you know, yeah. second left 10 on passion, like follow me over the sort of like follow me into battle kind of. And at school board, you do get leaders, you know, you need a little bit of that kind of just follow my lead. Yeah. Um, not always. Again, sometimes you get more cerebral, you know, in the adult game. It's, becomes more about you know that calm thinking you get that occasionally in schoolboy rugby but a lot of the time schoolboy captains are lead by example captains yeah. so I think you get a lot of all action but Roseanne yeah maybe again the way the position is it, it attracts that sort of you know you've got to want to work hard you've got to be fit you know you're probably the person that works hard on the rest of the sea you're probably a person you know, that yeah it, it lends that, itself to that as a cliche doesn't yeah. it and well I suppose the other thing is it just in terms of pure captaincy captaincy a lot of it is about relationship with the referee what position on the field needs to to know their laws better than any other position on the field it's the back row because they're the ones pushing the boundaries of the laws the most yeah. so i suppose yeah, if you want someone having a conversation with the with the ref about a finer technical point probably is a guy in your back row because he's got a far better chance of knowing what he's talking about well, yeah, and you get to speak to them, and it's a, it's a stupid thing, but you just get to see them more. It's every, every scrum, every line out, you can have a, well, I assume you're in the line out, certainly every scrum, you're not focusing on your setup. You can, as much as your, as your, as your front five, you can sometimes have a little at chat all. about, <laughs> yeah, sometimes, like, you know, so if you just, like, I just think they're, they're just, put, I think they're just holding on a little. So, yeah, I think maybe that. But anyway, let's go to last. Yeah. Uh, so, so I've well. cheated. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> uh, so again, I didn't actually see these guys play in the flesh. Just just know about their exploits. So the, the Curry brother, the Curry twins at twins yeah. at Angle. Um, I don't know they went. They go yeah, and so I've I've which is terrible to to. But I've just created a composite player of. <laughs> of, of I've just put Curry at, at six because. From what I know of their, they they were so kind of symbiotic in that team that I think they didn't quite get to, they get to a cup semi final. Cup semi final, yeah. Cup semi final and pretty much dragged them there. Yeah, I say single handedly, double handedly, but you know. yeah, yeah. Although it was, but was Sam Olver in that team as well? Sam Olver was the Sam Olver was before them. Um, okay, fine. Who is their cousin, as it turns out. Um, oh, right. But okay. he was there just before them, or may have been in there up when they were in lower sick and he was up sick, but he was a year okay. apart and it was their up sick year that got to the cup final. But they had, there was a real, there were a lot of guys around them that ended up playing Saints Academy who didn't get 
Academy contracts. Okay. And I think that told you an awful lot about, well, I think it told you a lot about the Currys because I think they made players around them look okay. very, very good. And, you know, they were, don't get me wrong, they were good players. I think the Currys elevated the level of those around them, um, not yeah. least because they were just as they are now their ability yeah. to just do the extraordinary and put a team on the front foot and give the team incredible turnover attacking ball was just was just crazy and you know you've created a platform for everyone else to go and have have fun yeah. on um it's, yeah so i went with a, the only other name i considered was aaron hinkley at st peter's gloucester on the left yeah. one name school was was just was just phenomenal, but I he was put amazing, wasn't he? The comp, the co- yeah, and and still is, you know, a, you know, having a developing into a great senior career. Um, so I put composite carry. You please saw. So, so you, you, you you've, well, you've done what I always argue Eddie Jones should do, which is pick both of them, tell no one that you've done it, and just swap them at half time. Tell them to go and empty the tank because no one would know. All right, get them both out there. I mean, it was interesting. What so the. They were. I, I, I was fortunate enough to watch them both quite a few times, um, mainly because having seen them once, I thought I need to go and watch these guys more and more and more. Um, they what they would often do was play, and maybe that speaks to this speaks to why it's Tom that's had the 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 England career and and Ben not quite so much. Tom would often end up at eight. And Ben would be at seven rather than playing them as six and seven. Part okay. of that's just schoolboy stuff because you want to, you know, you you want if you've got a dominant player, put him at eight, get their hands on the ball. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you still had to pick one of them to do that job, and Tom was the one that got picked to do that job, which yeah, it suggests Didn't that ben su- the senior squad first though. Ben got in the senior squad. Ben Ben did get in the senior squad first, then, yeah, then, and then he got injured, and so ben... they swapped it in for Tom. Yeah, because. Am I, I think I could be someone will correct me now, but Tom played in the 20s World Cup when Ben was with the senior side. Is that yeah. right? And then, yeah, so Ben got, got a nasty ben injury got, and then Tom for the, kind of went, yeah, yeah he was for the Barbarians game or something. And then, okay, it just um, it turned on that. So, I don't know. Oh, how do you pick between two curries? I mean. This is definitely this is definitely the one where we 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 have to cop out and have a player on the bench for sure because <laughs> we've got because I can't I can't I think it'd be unf- it'd be unfair on, it'd be unfair on the rest of the on the rest of the back rows to flood the back row with curries so I I think it's right to have Zach and Ben there not least because they were incredible as well. Switch my half time. Switch my half time, yeah. Switch my half time, half each. I mean, how? Yeah. I mean, what I would say is, I watched all of these guys play a fair few times. Tom and Ben Curry were the best of all of them. Okay. And we're talking about everyone being incredible here. Tom and Ben were. Tom and Ben were were unbelievable. Um, The. They did what they do now. They did. They weren't. They weren't like Ben Earl and and sort of hanging out in the back line doing fancy stuff. Um, they weren't like Zach, where it was kind of high profile carrying type thing. It was. It was just work. 
relentless work wow. that they just did and they got teams on the front foot and they pinched ball they carried more so than they carry now but it wasn't it wasn't party carries it was just dog work but it was on a level that was just unbelievable it was it was incredible um so yeah well let's do that then so we'll have ben earl and a curry and the other one can come on at half time nice that's nice. that that's I think that back row goes all right. I yeah, I think they, I think they'd right. do okay, wouldn't they? They'd, <laughs> they'd probably get they they probably win a few games, wouldn't they? Um, there's a couple of lads say that I suppose we should just we should just quickly give a bit of a shout out to um, one who actually I watched on Tuesday night on in the Premiership Cup for Leicester Tigers and looks like he's starting to deliver on his his schoolboy promise. Um, Emika Ilioni from from rugby school. Um, you got lucky actually in the Champions Trophy final that you played, played because he was he was hurt for that one, wasn't he? But he he was an amazing schoolboy player. Um, yes, yeah. So we were, you know, we thought a lot about how you would have to combat uh, Emeka. Um, I've got the right Emeka or Amika. Sorry if I brutalised the yeah, pronunciation. Um, but and then I remember Vincent, yeah, that he, he wasn't able to play. They still had like called Ben Muncaster. Yeah, who's yeah. now looking like he's going to get capped for Scotland as well, you know. It's a, yeah, and that, who I think turned down playing age grade stuff for England, which is, you know, nice when, you know, sort of financial incentives to be in that <laughs> yeah. English system. Um, so, you know, that back row was, was, and they, that hurt that rugby side that day. Um, I still think that the way, I'm, I'm obviously biased towards the way that Wellington side played that day. I'm not sure anyone would have touched them, but um, the boys, the boys, the boys put on a show. But that's I, I obviously have a lens on that. Um, no, but he, yeah, he, he was, he was really good. There must be a few others you've seen. Oh, as well. there's, there's loads and loads. I thought um, we're going back slightly further now, but Henry Cheeseman at Whitgift, um, Wilco played him at eight, but also occasionally in the centres. He's now playing yeah. twelve or thirteen or a bit of both actually. I think for yeah. for Austin Park, but. Um, as a schoolboy, particularly as a sevens player, um, yeah, he was amazing. Great, yeah. I I always thought it was weird that he didn't get a call up actually to the England sevens program. I thought he would have been perfect for that because he was he he really was a sort of hybrid between a back rower and a centre, um, which kind of is your perfect sevens man for the tour. Um, yeah, always kind of surprised me. The other one who um it really impressed me as a schoolboy really impressed me in his age group stuff as well i mean he was named under 20s world player of the year um which i guess is probably the high point of his career in terms of personal achievement but that's james chisholm at brighton college yeah. um who i mean i suppose, I suppose yeah. now and i don't mean this in a critical way but probably most people would view him as a kind of just kind of do your job back rower um, for Harlequins, but actually, as a as a schoolboy uh, and, a, and an age grade international, he was he was the man for a period of time. Yeah, and again, kind of looked like he was playing against younger, which is again quite yeah. looked like playing younger people. And I think again, again, going back to what we talked about with injuries, did you, did he have a nasty leg break? Or something yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and, and that you just never. I mean, still, like we're talking about. But he might not have. He had a phenomenal professional rugby career. He's, you know, he's a he's still a, a great rugby player. That's that's a pretty impressive list there, and a pretty impressive back row. I yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, but yeah, I just I just go through some others that we we might have 
might have missed out, but they're just, you know, Archie White, amazing player. Sam Moore at Sebus and Dugdale at Kirkham. Ted Hill, you know, we all know what he's done as a pro, but he was amazing. Guy who really impressed me last year, Tristan Woodman. Anyone that saw the England under-18s play, um, he was just a machine at, at open side for them. Um, Toby Knight and Will Trenholm, Berkhamstead and Cranley, number eights. They were both exceptional. I mean, there's loads and loads. Jack Clement, I mean, the list is ri- ridiculous. As I said, there could have been a million. A yeah. um, couple of back row units that you know quite a lot about, but that played phenomenally well. Whitgift 2010, Wellington College 2018. Um, two incredible units. Yeah. I, I hadn't planned this, but I might pay, make you make you choose your best one in a minute. But but talk to me about um, both of those because they were just incredible. Yes, yeah, so they're probably pretty different in that there's that Wellington one we had. So Finn Roster to Jack Reed, core of it. And then you had it's like, so Tobias Galabrini. Uh, Lucas Brooks, Ted Johnson, so a bit of a, you had rotation, which was mm. it's just such a, and, and of that, you know, you've got a couple of professional rugby players um, in there um, as well, and there's actually then a lad, which is so for just such an all court game. So Jack, so Jackie was captain on that side, playing at seven, then actually converted to play thirteen for, for Durham first fifteen, you know, and it's just finished that, which kind of you know says about how we and. Again, probably one of the best sevens players, schoolboy sevens players I've seen. And yeah. um, Finn Rossiter then just did all that. Such again, he just it got really unlucky with injuries and also phenomenally bright boy. So decided to study medicine rather than keep pursuing professional rugby, which isn't a bad choice to have. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, but he, he would kind of he allowed jack the space if you want it sounds like they okay, did a lot a lot of work around the breakdown a lot of unseen work um the the wicked back row probably a bit more abrasive um so there's a guy called herbie butler who for me maybe the best seven i've seen that again he's, he's got he's probably got yellow card in most games but it was <laughs> um, um it was just yeah, it's fine. It, it was so, 2010. It was a different game back then. Yeah, he ma- he just made it so. But just for for breakdown, not for being like naughty. Just for just for breakdown, just for pushing it. What you were saying, and it, yeah. he was so good over the ball, and he, you know, was you know, ahead in terms of breakdown, still ahead of the level at that point. And again, you know, he went down to Exeter, and it didn't quite work out. But he's you know, he's back, having a, doing phenomenally well. And, and then that you had Harry Ledger, who at, at eight, who again ball carrying. Picking between them, I'll go recency bias, and I'll, I'll go to the to the well to the, to the well into teams I can remember it. But I, and what stands out to me is again performance in defeat is uh, performance at Broad Street in 2018. Yeah. That, that oh, those yeah. three, that yeah. those three boys who played in that but row so in that night were more outstanding and kind of said they were probably. A, decent amount better than us that, that day but you know we forced them to a last minute conversion and I've made it something and it was and I think a lot of it was, was down to, to the to the work by Bat Row that night and who were phenomenal so I'll just, I'll just slightly nudge to them that, and, was, and, that was an amazing amazing performance and an unbelievable night um, just absolutely incredible um, I think I would have nudged that way as well to be honest Um <laughs> The so just a couple a couple of guys actually who are just um, 
still playing at schoolboy rugby who I think in the future might be creeping towards this Kepu Tupelosi up at Harrow keep an yeah. eye out on him he, he was unbelievable against Whitgift at the weekend um, had amazing reports uh, and the other lad captain England under 18 this summer in South Africa uh, played for Northampton Saints in the Premiership Cup last night I think it was uh, Henry Pollock up at Stowe um, yeah He's 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 an amazing amazing player, incredible over the ball, but um, incredible out in the in the open field as well. And obviously, you know, skippering England under eighteen tells you a lot about his uh, his leadership qualities as well, because they don't often really publicly declare a lad as being the captain. They quite often will bounce it around game to game, and and you know within the squad, you know, who your leaders are, but they tend not to shout about it too much. They would they were happy to talk about him being the captain, which I think says an awful an awful lot about him. Um, some Instagram suggestions, Hugh Davis and Yandu and Kongi from Kirkham Grammar School last year, who both have now gone on to sail sharks. They were incredible, especially up at the Sever Tens. Both of them were, um, were outstanding, especially in the final. And then a lad we mentioned, um, Aaron Hinckley. Um, and a couple, there's loads and loads of Instagram suggestions this week. People wanted us to talk about Brighton College. Um, um, we're going to get into them in more detail in a couple of weeks because we're going to be going to St. Joseph's Festival and St. Joseph's Festival is kind of Brighton College territory. Um, St. Joseph's themselves as well, but it's in the it's in the southeast where we're going to just have a little look at some stuff. Um, quick mention, speaking of the, the southeast, uh, is the Judd. Outstanding start to the season. Victory against Tunbridge. They had a massive... Uh, performance in the cup in midweek they're a team to keep an eye on but it's the it's the little Croydon triangle that I just want to finish up on this week I said we'd circle back to Whitgift earlier on and we circle back to them because having beaten Epsom College in the cup round two up against Trinity who defeated Dulwich College so game two we've got the two most recent champions going head to head that's going to be pretty special add in the fact that it's a derby but then Add in the fact that on Saturday we've got the first uh, sort of well-known Croydon derby, I suppose, the one that everyone's talked about for years, Whitgift against John Fisher. First time in, I think it's five years. Um, they, they had it called off for a while. It's back on the map. The excitement is massive. Both coaches have told me not to overhype it, <laughs> but I'm afraid the boys have already done that job for them. Um just amazing. Amazing to have that fixture back, first of all, but also what a special fixture in the Cup as well. Um, it's going to be cool. Yeah, so, so I guess with having John Fisher play Wicked on a Saturday again is is really is brilliant and it's really good for the schoolboy game. Again, Fisher, so when I was at Wicked, they those games were incredible. Um and it was on on the right side of it of, of passion, and obviously it it spilled over and and it got wrong, and that's why the schools, you know, took the decision to not play it on a Saturday and to play it behind closed doors and play on Wednesday. They continue playing games against each other because yeah. the relationship's really important. Um, so would you know, look, go along, enjoy it, everybody, but but get it right. I was, I was at the last Saturday game where it went wrong and it, and it was horrible, and I actually don't think it was people from the school. I think it was kind of some outsiders and they was yeah we, no one wants to see like that you know, school would be great because the atmosphere it creates um there's loads of passion in that you know in terms of 
in loads of ways and it will it will be a great occasion um and and again great to see it back on a saturday and hopefully two teams will, will, will push each other all the way i'll tell you with, what with, with just just on that sort of getting it right this game there was a period in time where you'd get about two thousand people coming to it yeah. um probably on saturday it won't be at that level because because everyone's trying to be quite careful but my message to everyone there would be get it right because this fixture can be the fixture because of that passion and the desire of people to get along to it that moves the schoolboy needle in rugby terms in the UK to creating fixtures where we do get crowds of that side size coming along, local communities coming and getting engaged and, and involved with it, local kids coming and getting involved and engaged with it. If they get it right and we get to a point where those crowds start coming back and we start to see other schools going, oh, we, we need to be doing something like that and finding a way to, to sort of build it up. We could be in for something really special. So please get it right because you could be, you could be the guys that kind of light the blue touch paper to really just set the school scene going um, yeah. in, in an even bigger way than it already does. Yeah. And the pupils will, and it's just like, just don't, and I'm sure it'll be, but like, oh, but just, it'll get, it'll be a good game of rugby. It doesn't need, like people getting like it doesn't need alcohol in the mix there's enough passion in that game and again we want young families people who are aspiring like along watching that game getting inspired by it and so that that we want a friendly atmosphere um in terms of the trinity game again it's it's so good that they uh, yeah, that doesn't change within block but they that they're banked up against each other now because it didn't happen because um during during my time of week it's just a long time ago now but it's obviously a bit of hitting that trinity put wickets out last year for going on to win it and i know that you know wickiff felt that you know that they bounced from i think i think they played on the saturday which trinity hadn't so they felt they went into that game a bit fatigued is a that again it's a different dynamic i think that relationship that'll be hard there's again i know that that wilco and paul roberts that they, they know each other really well they're really good friends they, they coach alongside each other um at, at isha which is a kind of a really cool little like inside story with within that so again it's i think it's important for people to know that sometimes people get hesitant about yeah there isn't there's no sort of it's not really past down school we're actually coaching or friends that we talking before yeah, it's, exactly. like we, it's about it's about getting it right that that's that cup game that I would say I don't want to not, Wicked go into Saturday's favourites probably just based on not again just who they've played I guess and calling yeah. them the, the strength of the strength of it but again they could be in, tried, a, in effect tried. in effect the battle hardedness for want of a better yeah. word but that also means you've probably got some brute bodies and and yeah. you know fish again who who's coming back and stuff like that um the Trinity game is feels more like a coin toss game and probably actually Trinity going as favourites you know, but yeah that with that entire cup winning backline returning um, I'm pretty sure uh, maybe I'm going to be pretty ugly something like that I'll get correct if, it, if it's not as close to it um, so that's an interesting you know, a different dynamic and again Trinity not probably historically used to be favourites going into a contest yeah. against Wicked so you know, handling that mantle of being expected to be a team who've been the dominant team in the area is an interesting and again a Actually, I'd say quite a nice mentality for Wicked. Actually, gone. Let's go. People are saying Trinity are going to knock us over. Can we 
that's got underdog mentality. Oh, the, the, the boys will enjoy that um, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, two fascinating games in in very different ways. I think they'll probably look very different in terms of how they played out. Um, but again, if you're around and can catch either of them, like go and watch them because you'll see some high quality scoreboard rugby. Absolutely. Um, on the subject of derbies, I'm just going to rattle through a few other big fixtures this weekend, but the one that's going to stand out, KCS Wimbledon against Wimbledon College, also doubles up as a school's cup tie. I'm told the closest neighbours in school were rugby. I should know that because I'm yards from one of them um, and therefore presumably the other. Um, but someone out there did the maths one year and they told me that it was the closest derby in school's rugby. Uh, elsewhere, Sedbury against Ipswich, um, that's going to be huge. Ipswich, massive aspirations. And Sedbury, probably that's one of those tests that we were talking about. Um, elsewhere, Radley St. Paul's looks like a nice fixture. Marlborough against Rugby. Eton College against Bedford. Millfield, Sherburn, Skinners taking on Tunbridge. You know, Tunbridge, after that draw last week, if they got their confidence back, Skinners beat them last year. You know, there's, there's a lot going on, but there's loads and loads of fixtures all around the country. Can't give a shout out to everyone, but... Please keep getting in touch on Instagram with your thoughts and ideas about what you want us to get um, to kind of cover because we want to we want to talk about what you guys want us to talk about. Um, that's pretty much it, though. I'm just going to go through our top five and our back row again, just to check you're happy with it. So top five, Fimbra, Harrow, Ipswich, Kirkham Grammar School and RGS Newcastle. I like that. Like it. And our back row, bit of a fudge. Zach Mercer at eight. Ben Earl at do we have him at six or seven? Seven. Ben, ben Earl at seven and Curry one and Curry two swapping at half time on the blind side. Oh, no one's oh. getting no one's getting past that back row. Absolutely no. I don't I think even the Kiwis would struggle to come up with a schoolboy back row that that deals with that that's that's incredible but that is that is our back row um get in touch next week should we do should we do scrum halves and fly halves or just scrum halves now we'll, yeah let's try and do half backs yeah, well, that's a challenge half yeah, yeah. all right so get in touch on instagram with your suggestions of our half backs that should be in the team we'd love to hear them um I've already got loads and loads of names. I've also got a couple of fudge options that have played a bit of fullback, played a bit of nine, played a bit of 10. We'll find a way. We'll find a way to get them all in. But that's all for next week. Uh, in the meantime, remember you can find us on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, you can watch us if you want to on YouTube. Uh, you can get in touch with us on at NextGen15. That's at NextGenXV on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, I'm Angus Savage. You can get in touch with me at, at Angus Savage XV. Dan is umming and ahhing over whether to create his, his specialist media, social media. I, I don't channels. know that, yeah, whether, whether I can handle the abuse or not. I don't know. I'm, I'm delicate. We'll see. Yeah. But, uh, we'll see. Well, I'll tell you what. How about everyone get in touch with us? If you want Dan to start his own channels, then you uh, you let us know and we'll um, he'll do whatever you tell him to. I promise. <laughs> Good stuff, Dan. Good to see you again. Stay yeah. well and we'll see you next yeah. week. Yeah. Cheers, to everyone mate. listening, we'll catch you next week as well. Thank you very much for listening.